Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Here's a good idea. Have a point. It makes it so much more interesting for the listener. Welcome to At Your Service here on Camo X. Thanks for sticking with us. The last two hours here on Camo X has been programming with regard to the January 6th commission. And most of our show tonight, just the truncated show from 9 to 10, is going to be focused on what we heard tonight, what we saw tonight, and where do we go from here. And we've got a guest coming up in the second segment. But after that, I'm going to be opening up the phone lines because I want to hear from you about what you heard, what you saw. How does this fit in with what you've thought about the January 6th riot up to this point? And where do we go from here? And I'll be opening up those phone lines uh, probably around 930 this evening. So you're going to want to stick around for that. And as always, I'm going to want to hear from you on this issue. But, But before we dive into any of this and before we even bring in our guest in the next segment... I thought that, and I took some notes, and I wanted to come up with what I consider to be common ground because I I don't and still don't think it's an insurrection. And yet at the same time, I think what Dr. or what uh, Donald Trump did was reprehensible. And uh, and I don't agree with the conspiracy theories about the election. And yet we're being forced to go into kind of a a binary decision. Either, Either you think the election was rigged and Donald Trump should be president, or or you think that uh, Donald Trump should be in prison, and uh, and this was a grand conspiracy to overthrow the U.S. government. Those are the two dichotomies that we're being forced into, uh, because I think mainly because of mainstream media. And I don't fit into either one of those groups, and I don't think that most Americans do either. So I wanted to come up with what I think are are common ground consensus points that most people who are who are uh, know the facts of what happened most people could come to agreement republicans democrats progressives independents it doesn't matter you should be able and we should be able to find common ground so i just took some notes i'm going to go through those uh before we bring on our guest in the second segment and first of all i think that that all reasonable people can agree that the January 6th riots were reprehensible and they were repulsive. We can all agree on that. And all those 
who broke the law on January 6th should be and are being prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law. And I agree with that. Now, I, I question some of the charges that have been filed with regard to sedition, conspiracy to commit sedition. But but at the end of the day, they're being prosecuted, and that will be for the courts to to, to wrestle with and the juries to wrestle with what exactly should they be convicted of. But clearly all those who trespassed, who barged into the Capitol, who injured and hurt other people, those individuals should be prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law. Secondly, I think that that President Trump, and particularly with regard to him and Rudy Giuliani, they whipped up the crowd on January 6th into a frenzy before the rioting even occurred. Now, I don't think, and I want to lay out this case this evening, I still do not believe that Trump's speech would constitute criminal incitement under federal law and under Supreme Court precedent. But he did stir them up. And even before that, we heard tonight, he called on thousands, he called thousands really to come to the city for a wild time. And then I think he worked some of them into kind of a frothing mob. So I think we can all agree on that. Most reasonable people can agree on that. Thirdly, President Trump, he repeated clearly false statements about the constitutional process. And he made he made the unconscionable demand that Pence should usurp really the process of the Constitution by sending back the electoral votes. That's not anything. That's not in the Constitution. It's not it's not allowed by federal law. He simply made it up that 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 Vice President Pence could send it back, the the electoral votes. That that just didn't exist. And he said that repeatedly for weeks and weeks and weeks. And Vice President Pence had no such authority under the Constitution or federal law, and we can agree on that. Fourth, it bothers me that Trump was conspicuously silent as this whole riot kind of started and engulfed the Congress. He didn't say anything for hours. And really, it wasn't until the next day that that he clearly denounced all of this violence and called for the prosecution of those who were rioting at the Capitol. He should have done so instantaneously, immediately. He should have tweeted. He should have issued press releases. We heard this evening uh, that Vice President Pence was really the one calling out the National Guard, calling out the Capitol Police. That should have been President Trump doing that. Uh, maybe he could say, I, 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 Vice President was doing it for me. I didn't have to do that. But we really don't see that there was much of a desire for President Trump to do that. And so those four elements most reasonable people should be able to agree upon. So to me, the whole point of the January 6th hearing should be, what do we do about it? Does this rise to the level of an insurrection or does it not? Does it rise to the level of criminal incitement of violence under the Constitution, under Brandenburg versus Ohio, uh, the constitutional standards set by the, the United States Supreme Court, or does it not? And should it prevent, because ultimately that's the goal here, should it prevent Donald Trump from ever running for office again under the 14th Amendment? Those are the issues that we're going to be getting into after the break because we're going to talk to Sheila Simon. Yes, that name sounds familiar. She's a former, former uh, Illinois Senator Paul Simon's daughter. But Sheila Simon herself, she's a law professor at SIU Carbondale School of Law, and she will be joining us next to talk about what she heard 
from the January 6th commission and where it goes from here. Brad Young at your service. KMOX will be right back. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Welcome back to At Your Service, kind of a special edition At Your Service following up on the two hours of the January 6th uh, commission televised commission hearing this evening. Thanks for sticking with us. Uh, Sheila Simon, she's an assistant professor at the SIU School of Law. Uh, She returned to the university after serving as the Illinois Lieutenant Governor from 2011 to 2015. And now she's joining us this evening to break down what we heard and what we saw uh, on television or heard on radio this evening from the January 6th Commission. Professor Sheila Simon, welcome to KMOX. Hey, thanks for having me here this evening. Yeah, and, and this is an important topic, and I'm glad that you made time to speak to us uh, today and this evening. What well, what did you hear this evening that was new or different than what we had previously heard from the January 6th Commission? Yeah, so uh, the footage was graphic and and really horrifying. Uh, But I think what sticks with me the most, uh, and maybe this is uh, peculiar to someone who's been in elected office before, but the chair of the committee cast uh, the the whole evening in terms of honoring an oath and making a commitment. And uh, if, if you've been elected to office before, you know that that's a big deal, right? You have family and friends there, and it's a it's a promise that you make. I mean, we all we all say the pledge of allegiance. We learned that when we were kids, and and I don't know that it that we think about it too much when we say it. But when you take an oath, 
and you promise to protect the Constitution, uh, you mean it. And it's a, it's a serious commitment. Uh, and to, to have folks who are taking that commitment seriously in the face of people who were, who, who were really trying to upset the Constitution, to violate the Constitution, um, it was very moving to me. Yeah, it would be because you've you've sat in office. You obviously your your father was in office for many many years, and uh, uh, and the idea that that rioters or insurrectionists, whatever you want to classify them as, could have harmed individuals who were there to serve us uh, in the United States at the seat of power that has to ring home to you. Oh, it does. I, you know those hallways that they were showing people running through with with flags that they were using as spears, essentially, uh, are hallways that I've walked through with my dad. And I told the folks we were watching it with, I, I can't imagine how frightening it must have been to be behind the closed doors and hearing that noise out in the hallway. Um, yeah, very scary. And I also think, uh, I think about when dad was in the Senate, um, and he was certainly a Democrat and a liberal, but his office was right down the hall from Strom Thurmond, who was anything but, right? They were they were opposed to each other in so many ways, hmm. and yet they were able to work together. Uh, and it seems like that's what we, uh, what we envision in the Constitution is a process of governing where people with yes. different points of view can come together, listen to each other, benefit from each other's perspective and uh, and try and steer the country in the right direction. And I have to say I was impressed with both the chair and Congresswoman Cheney uh, and their working together uh, to, to, to defend the Constitution. Uh, we're, we're talking to uh, Professor Sheila Simon from the SIU School of Law and former Illinois Lieutenant Governor. Uh, one of the questions I believe that this commission must answer is whether the White House or Trump campaign officials, whether they coordinated with militia leaders? And if so, you know, what did they know about the possibility for violence? Was that question answered, at least in part, from your perspective this evening? I don't think uh, I don't think that was answered yet. I think the question was certainly raised uh, as to that that's going to be a focus of what's going on. Uh, it was interesting to see the footage towards the end of this evening of the uh, folks who have been charged with crimes regarding their activities at the Capitol, saying that they felt they were personally called by Trump to do this. And obviously, they you know they didn't get a phone call from him. <laughs> no. um, but uh, uh, we'll see. It, it struck me at several points during the evening that uh, that. Uh, what the folks were laying out there was almost like an opening statement. Here's exactly. the evidence we expect to to show you over the next several hearing days, and uh, and then you'll be able to make up your mind. So I don't I don't think we uh, we saw that yet. We saw the introduction of of the possibility that 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 might have gone on, but certainly nothing. Wait, hmm. um, with the exception, and and this is not. Uh, this is not calling for violence, but the remark uh, attributed to the president when he found out that Dick Cheney was in danger and people were calling to hang Mike Pence, uh, and and the president saying something like maybe he maybe that maybe that crowd has it right, 
was really chilling. It, it um, was chilling. And, and I actually want to talk about President Trump's involvement uh, for just a moment. Uh, yeah. On January 6th, and I, I was taking a lot of notes, uh, President Trump said the following from the dais uh, there in front of the White House. He said, and I'm quoting, we fight, we fight like hell. And if you don't fight like hell, you're not going to have a country anymore. So we're going mm-hmm. to we're going to walk down Pennsylvania Avenue. I love Pennsylvania Avenue. And we're going <laughs> to the Capitol, unquote. Now, I, I don't do impressions, so I, I just had to read it straight. <laughs> but in your opinion, and this is the legal part that I really want to delve into with you. In your opinion, did those words incite the riot? It's interesting because one of the things that I learned this evening that was surprising to me was that uh, apparently hundreds of the members of the Proud Boys were not even there to hear that, that they had already started the march to the Capitol. Um which doesn't mean that it can't incite the riot because apparently they were uh, talking, they were they were using a bullhorn to broadcast some of the president's texts or tweets. Um, but I think you have to measure the president's comments in the context in which in which they were said, in the context of what led up to it before, in the context of of his filing uh, essentially frivolous suits across the country. Uh, to try and change the result of the election. And when all of that failed, then he says, let's go to the Capitol on the day that they're, that they're counting the, the results and, and, and engaging in the, what should have been a peaceful transfer of power. Right. And, and that's what I want to delve into, because you as a, as a law professor, as an attorney, and certainly as an elected official, you're well familiar with Brandenburg versus Ohio in 1969, where essentially the Supreme Court held that in order to lose First Amendment protection as incitement, that the speech has to be, and I'm quoting from Brandenburg, directed to inciting or producing eminent lawless action and is likely to incite or produce such, such action, unquote. And, and even though I, I certainly think and reasonable people, I started the show this evening talking about what all reasonable people should be able to agree upon, uh, mm-hmm. but and certainly his words were, reprehensible and and uh, and his the fact that he didn't take any steps to to uh, to reprimand the rioters is also reprehensible but the question is did it incite the riot and and from my legal perspective I don't see that but I wanted your perspective on it as well yeah I I don't I don't see that um, but obviously there were some people who were there listening to that who in fact read it as exactly that. Um, so I think it's one of those tough cases. This is where this is why lawyers are always valuable, right? <laughs> because because we have a rule of law, and sometimes it's not easy to figure out how to apply it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think it's I think it's in fact likely that his remarks incited some people to storm the Capitol. Um, but it's also possible that uh, that. A jury of his peers would listen to that and say, "No, that was not incitement." Um, I, I don't. I don't think there was evidence presented that uh, that says, <laughs> to use one of his phrases uh, or his campaign's phrases, uh, "Lock him up." Yeah. 
<laughs> and that's to me why this is fascinating, because we can all agree uh, that the riots were awful. We can we can look at the video that we saw this evening and feel disgust that this was happening at the seat of power of the greatest democracy on the planet. Uh, and yet at the same time, it's it's how we uh, assign the blame for that and to what extent that I think is is the interesting aspect of this as uh, as opposed to the the visceral emotional reaction. Hey, we need to take a break here. Can you stick around through the break? Because, I sure can. Yeah. Because I want to get into Section 3 of the 14th Amendment and and how that plays into all of this. Uh, and I, you're a fascinating guest, and so I want to get your opinion. This is uh, at your service. We're talking to uh, uh, law professor Sheila Simon from the SIU School of Law. I, I graduated from SIU Carbondale, not the law school, but loved my uh, years <laughs> in Carbondale. And so I was uh, uh, chomping at the bit to talk to you this evening. We're going to take a break here on Camo X at your service. We'll be back right after that. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. Yes. Back to at your service here on Camel X. We're talking uh, to SIU School of Law Professor Sheila Simon, former Lieutenant Governor of the State of Illinois, kind of breaking down what we heard this evening from the January 6th Commission. And uh, first of all, I want to tell you, Professor, thanks for holding on with us uh, through the break. My pleasure. Uh, Section three of the Fourteenth Amendment. I'm not going to read the whole thing because it's long. But, but essentially what Section 3 of the 14th Amendment states is that no person shall be a senator or a representative in Congress or hold any office, which would include uh, the, the presidency, uh, if that person has taken an oath and ha- shall have engaged in an insurrection or rebellion against the United States. Now, that was passed uh, following uh, the Civil War. And the chairman of the January 6th commission, Congressman Benny Thompson, all but stated in his opening statement that President Trump engaged in insurrection. But if we look at Section 3 of the 14th Amendment, uh, Professor Simon, does it appear, based on what we heard this evening, uh, in your opinion, that President Trump, Trump committed insurrection? I'm not sure that what we heard this evening painted a portrait of someone who engaged in an insurrection. Uh, And I think there's a difference between engaging in an insurrection and inciting an insurrection. Uh, And I think certainly folks who were, who were there at the, at the Capitol who broke in, who, who got into offices, who, uh, who took weapons with them and, 
and plans. They had to plan, right? There are people there with helmets on. Um, the, the, the gallows that they brought along was not something that they made of duct tape when they decided we should, well, let's put something together. These are four-by-fours right. that someone constructed in advance. Those are people who engaged in insurrection. Uh, I'm not sure that the president's activities uh, were engaged in uh, in insurrection, but that's just shooting from the hip, having not looked up the, the language there. I can't imagine that there's been too many occasions when we've had to, over time, interpret those words. Well, it, it's, there are not too many more. Well, it's actually been engaged several times here very recently, whether it's Congressman Cawthorn, I believe he's from North Carolina, or Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene. Uh, both right. have been defending actions, charging them with insurrection under the Constitution and stating that those individuals cannot run for office. And I don't think any legal analyst, legitimate legal analyst in the, in the country is going to come to the conclusion that that uh, 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 Representative Cawthorn or Marjorie Taylor Greene can be prevented from running for office because of this section of the 14th Amendment. But it seems to me that that's what we were hearing this evening without mentioning the Constitution. So from your perspective, do you think that this January 6th commission is trying to build a case that President Trump is ineligible to run for office because of January 6th or that he is perhaps unfit because of his judgment for running for office, which would be really up to the people to decide, not the courts? Yeah, I, I think I think what their aim is, is to present the facts to the American people to say, here's we have studied this. We have had access to the highest levels of information. We have used our subpoena power, and here are the facts. And uh, and on those issues that are political issues, who should we elect? Who should we reelect? Uh, those would certainly be up to the people, and uh, and the people can make better decisions when they have the facts. I think another important part of what's going on here, though, is in addition to what went on is is how do we learn from this about our political system? Uh, how do we make sure that this does not happen again? How do, what are the the flaws in our system that allow something like this to happen? Mm. Um, you know, you and I are are lawyers, and uh, and the the justice system works because we have a a sense of trust in. In the court system, right? The Absolutely. Judges, yeah, judges' orders are not upheld because there are police on every corner waiting to enforce mm-hmm. an order. They're upheld because people feel, well, even though I don't agree with the judge, I had my day in court, I got to present my side of the case, and so I respect that system. Um, and I think our, the rest of our democracy functions much in the same way. Uh, we need to have some respect for our system of elections, for our system of transfer of power, and and how did it fall apart so terribly? Yes. Uh, so that we came close to 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 losing it there on January sixth. And you alluded to this before the break, Professor. But uh, when you were talking about this, the lack of the ability to get along, and you gave the example of your your father, Senator Paul Simon, uh, could talk with Strom Thurmond. 
And mm-hmm. and what came to my mind were, were two things. First was President Reagan could go and, and deal with Tip O'Neill and they could right. come out and make deals uh, that those kinds of negotiations uh, are, are simply lacking today. And, and in my law practice, some of my best friends are my legal opponents. And we can mm-hmm. vigorously argue about the the cases that we're handling and then go out to eat afterwards and have a dinner together and have a great time. And mm-hmm. I, I wish we could recapture this idea of of debating issues, but debating them uh, as as reasonable people, uh, not through tribalism. Yeah, and and I think um, although boy, things are are going awry at the federal level, right? Where where people ask what side you're on, and and then they make up a decision as to whether they support your ideas or not. Um, having been involved in both state and local government, uh, I can testify that that I think things are better at lower levels of government, uh, where political party is less significant. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, and I I think for for some of those reasons, we're going to be looking more and more at state and local governments to resolve things as the federal government just gets caught up in an inability to do anything other than hate on the other side. Well, and, and we're talking to uh, Professor Sheila Simon from the SIU School of Law. Uh, last question. Uh, what do you think the goal, and you may have already answered this, but I just want to con- conceptualize it this way. What should be the goal of the January 6th commission, and what should we as the American people do in terms of processing that information? Yeah. I think the goal should be one word that we already talked about, and that's truth, um, which, again, back to, back to what we do in the field of law. So much of, of, a, of a trial is getting to the truth, uh, is finding out what, between conflicting stories, what's the truth and valuing the truth. Uh, so I think we have to ask for the truth, and then we have to learn from it. So I think this commission can deliver the facts to us, and then it's up to us to, to, to say, okay, what? now that we know that, what do we do going forward? Mm-hmm. Uh, how do we make sure that, that folks can participate in, in our governing system, can have some faith in our election processes, and, and work with people who they disagree with? Sure. <laughs> That's, that's not too much to ask, I don't think. Well, I'm just but, trying uh, to picture. It's going to be hard to get there. I still can't get the picture out of my mind with your father talking to Strom Thurmond. I mean, that's just. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, a funny one, isn't it? It but, is a funny one. But, uh, you know, they, they both respected each other for having genuine beliefs, right? That that neither of them was, uh, Dad would describe it as holding up his finger to the wind. They weren't, you know, saying, what's the latest poll tell me? They were reflecting deeply held, genuine beliefs, and because of that, they were, I think, able to listen to other people who had deeply held, genuine beliefs. Hmm. Very important. Hey, Professor Sheila Simon from the SIU School of Law, thank you so much for joining us this evening. I, I kept you two segments because I I really enjoyed our conversation, and I thank hey, you for making— time. And I thank you for making time time with us. Yeah, thank you for focusing your attention on this. It's vitally important, and I appreciate that you're doing it. Well, hopefully we can talk again soon. Sounds good. Thanks. Mm -hmm. Bye-bye. You're welcome. Good night. We're going to open up the phone lines. What did you think about 
what you heard and saw this evening. What did you think about what Professor Simon had to say uh, in response to some of my questions? 314-436-7900, call or text. This is what at your service means. We want to hear from you. We'll be back right after this on X. Several weeks ago, I had a caller, I believe his name was Ken, called in, and he challenged me. It was a couple of months ago now that I think about it. And he challenged me because he said, a lot of times, Brad, you have on guests that you agree with. Why don't you have on guests that you don't agree with politically? And I've taken his challenge to heart. I've, I've started having on more guests that I disagree with. Uh, in order to get that kind of a discussion that's not an echo chamber. So that's why I reached out to uh, law professor Sheila Simon. I thought she's the former Democrat lieutenant governor of the state of Illinois. Uh, She's the son of, uh, or the daughter rather, of Paul Simon and and a professor in academia. All of those, I thought, were going to create a situation where her and I would disagree on a lot of issues. And it turns out, and that's why I thought our conversation was was fascinating, because it turns out we didn't disagree as much as what I had initially thought. I mean, for example, when I talked with with uh, with Professor uh, Sheila Simon, she agreed with me that this is a political act. The January sixth commission is political; it's not legal; it's a political function, and we can see that simply by the makeup of the commission. Uh, If you look at, I believe it was in H.R. 503, Section 2A, if you're taking notes, uh, that is, that's what, uh, that was the House resolution that created the January 6th commission. It's supposed to have 13 members. But right now, as of today, it always has and will continue to have only nine members. It's supposed to allow the minority leadership of the House of Representatives to appoint members to the commission. Uh, The Republicans in the House wanted Jim Jordan and uh, and another person whose name escapes me at the moment to be on this committee. Nancy Pelosi rejected them both. Also, uh, Liz Cheney is, of course, on the commission. We heard her speak tonight, but she wasn't selected uh, by the House Republicans in any way. So this is a political act. And we need to understand that. And that's something that Professor Simon agreed with me on. Also, she agreed with me, and I didn't think she would, but she did, uh, that that President Trump did not incite the riot that occurred on January 6th. Now, his words may have inspired them. His words uh, may have encouraged them. I think his silence is far worse than what he actually said. What he said was... standard political rhetoric. We're going to fight like hell. We're going to take it to the Capitol. I mean, those are things that every politician says and in in some form or fashion. And yet, from a legal perspective, they did not incite the riot. So here you have someone on the right, myself, someone on the left, political, uh, or rather law professor Sheila Simon, and we can both agree that Trump's words were wrong and and uh, and shouldn't have been said, but they did not incite the riot. And we also agreed that the point of the January 6th commission should not be to prevent Trump uh, legally from running for office, 
but to provide information to the public about whether he should run for office or whether he should become our next president. Let me ask you this, just to, sh- to put it in this context. If President Trump had already served his second term, just play this mind experiment with me. If President Trump had already served two terms as president and January 6th happened uh, at the, on the last uh, month of his second term in office, would we even be having these commissions now? Would there even be this much interest in probing what occurred on January 6th? And I think, again, any reasonable person would say, no, if if there wasn't the possibility that Trump could run for office again and even be elected again, would we have seen the two hours that we saw tonight on television or heard the two hours that we heard right here on Camo X? Would any of that have happened if President Trump wasn't, we didn't have the possibility that President Trump could be running for reelection? And, of course, the answer to that is no. It never would have happened. So if you look at it in that context, again, we can all agree that this is political. That doesn't mean it's wrong just because it's political, but we have to understand it for what it is. It is a political act. And if you talk to folks, particularly if you watch it, I I do enjoy watching MSNBC because it's just darn entertaining. Uh, I get popcorn and watch the fights on there, and I just— just marvel at how wrong some of these people are consistently time and time again. But if you, uh, I'm going to show you with a very easy experiment here. If you listen to those on the progressive far left who simply say that because of Trump's words, he should be, he should have been impeached, which he was, but he was not convicted, but he should be arrested. He should be held criminally and civilly liable for January 6th. And under the 14th Amendment, he should be prevented from running for office. If you are in that camp, or if you know people who are in that camp, I want to ask you, how does this play out? Because if that is your belief, then Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer should also be impeached, and the January 6th committee, like commission, should be impaneled to investigate what led to the assassination attempt on Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh this week. Now, how can I make such a ludicrous comparison? Because this is exactly what Chuck Schumer said after Brett Kavanaugh went to the Supreme Court. I want to tell you, Gorsuch, I want to tell you, Kavanaugh, you have released the whirlwind and you will pay the price. You won't know what hit you if you go forward with these awful decisions. Now, in the light of in the light of what happened this week, we had an individual show up at Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh's home. He was armed with a gun. He had burglary tools. He had a I believe he had a knife. Uh, He was there to assassinate Brett Kavanaugh. He had, uh, like I said, he had burglary tools. Uh, He had a whole backpack full of items. Now, he could claim that the words you just heard from Chuck Schumer empowered him to go and assassinate Brett Kavanaugh. Now, thank God that didn't happen. Whether it's Brett Kavanaugh or Sotomayor, it doesn't matter what their political persuasion is, but it's reprehensible and repugnant to think that someone would want to do that 
to a sitting Supreme Court justice. But if you think that Trump's words incited the January 6th riot, then you should also believe that Chuck Schumer's words incited the individual who tried to kill Brett Kavanaugh this week. Because the situations are very similar. The words are very similar. The intent is very similar. And so I'm always concerned about trying to squelch speech and stop people from running for office, just like whether it's Representative Cawthorn or Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene, where individuals are saying you should not be allowed to run for office. Folks, that's not democracy. That's not a constitutional republic. That's where your leaders are selected for you, like in China or Russia. That's not the United States. And so while I'm glad the January 6th commission is investigating this, we always have to remember that this is political at its heart. I mean, for example, if there's no collusion between President Trump and the Proud Boys and the Oath Keepers who instigated the violence, if there's no collusion there, then I don't see how you could hold President Trump responsible. And in August of 2021, and I'm quoting from Reuters, and this is a quote, the FBI finds no evidence that Trump and his allies were directly involved with organizing the violence of the Capitol riot, unquote. And don't forget that the Republican National Committee, there was a pipe bomb found right outside of the RNC committee hearing, or rather the RNC uh, headquarters in Washington, D.C. There was a pipe bomb found right outside their offices. So in the absence of any evidence of collusion between the instigators of the violence and the White House, in the absence of that, then President Trump's words are repugnant, but they're not criminal. They did not incite violence. They do not amount to sedition. They do not amount to insurrection. Should he be held responsible for that politically? Absolutely. That's what the ballot box is for. But don't take away our right to vote. Brad Young sitting in this evening on At Your Service. Uh, I'm glad you stuck around this evening. We had two hours of the hearing, but we had fantastic analysis here. I hope you enjoyed it. We'll be back next week on At Your Service. Stick around. The best of Dave Glover coming up next on KMOX. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. 
Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. 